This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Hello and welcome to The Letter from the Bureau, a special series which is part of The Straits Times Asian Insider podcast channel. I'm your host, ST's foreign editor, Bhagishree Kareka. Now, The Letter from the Bureau is meant to be a detour, a scenic detour from the raging news of the day. We like to talk about life as it goes on amid all the crises breaking out around us. I chat each month with one of ST's 30-odd correspondents in 15 cities across the Asia-Pacific, the United States and Europe. And they share with you interesting trends and events that are happening in their corner of the world. In our seventh episode, we are talking to ST's Indonesia correspondent, Linda Yulisman. Linda is based in Jakarta. It's good to have you on the show, Linda. Hello, Bagia. Thanks for having me here. Linda, you had a very interesting column recently, and you say there that Indonesia is now in a grip of a badminton craze. And you say that badminton players are now regarded as Indonesia's national treasure. So tell us, to begin with, why have they shot into the limelight? Well, the badminton craze is actually triggered by Indonesia's victories in the recent Tokyo Olympic and Paralympic Games. So, Indonesian shuttlers brought in total three golds, two silvers, and three bronzes from both games. And once again, badminton became the pride of Indonesia. By the way, Bagia, Indonesia has always won gold medals in badminton at every Olympic Games except London 2012. What makes the recent one special is that Gracia Polii and Apreni Rahayu earned Indonesia's first ever gold in the women's doubles at the Olympics. And the gold that Leani Ratri Oktila and Kalimatus Sadiah won in the Paralympic Games is also Indonesia's first in 41 years, so both are historic ones actually. And these victories, especially at the Olympics, also came at a time when Indonesia struggled with the unprecedented wave of COVID-19 infections. So this was really, really good news amid so much bad news at that time. As Joyce swept the nation for a while, Indonesians forgot the harsh situation caused by the pandemic. And President Joko Widodo himself was very enthusiastic and happy and he took time to make video calls and personally congratulated uh, the Olympic and Paralympic winners in Tokyo. Normally, winners always get bonuses from the government and sponsors, but this time uh, the amount is more fantastic, and a few more companies also participate, such as by giving them new houses. And there's also the pandemic effect, I think. After restricting their interactions for so many months, people are now keen to do activities outdoor together with their families, relatives, neighbors, and friends. So after the Indonesian team won the Thomas Cup in mid-October, the badminton craze seems to continue until now. I have to say I'm pretty wowed, Linda. And like you say, there are so many reasons to feel good. And uh, it's quite amazing also to know that uh, Indonesia has been so consistent at winning uh, medals in badminton all through. Now, some of the players whom you mentioned and I think even interviewed in your stories, 
some some of them won medals this year, and they actually come from families who are struggling to survive. You have talked about some very inspiring personal stories that they have. Would you care to recount one of them? Something that struck a chord with you personally? Yeah, sure, Bagya. Many badminton stories are actually about somebody going from zero to hero. One of the people for the story I spoke to is a woman named Masluka. She is the mother of Paralympic badminton winner Kalimatus Sadia. Kalimatus has the weakness in her right arm and leg, so she has to play left-handed. And as a kid, she was often mocked by her friends for this. Masluka began to sell cooked food seven days a week to feed her three children after his husband left when Kalimatus was only two years old. When her daughter joined a local badminton club, she spent two months of her savings to buy her a new racket and a pair of shoes. And each month, Masluka also set aside 100,000 rupiah equal to 9.5 Singapore dollar or a tenth of her income to pay the membership fee for the club. Three times a week, little Kalimatus would ride her bike to the club some four kilometers away from her house, sometimes under the rain. Then her persistence allowed her to win competitions. In 2013, she was called to join the National Para Badminton Training Center and from there, she made her way into regional and world para tournaments. She won a gold medal at the 2018 Asian Para Games. From the bonuses she got, Kalimatus built a food stall for her mother and bought a house for her family. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. Like you say, Linda, such inspiring stories are driving a surge of interest in badminton in Indonesia now. So are you seeing everyone now buying rackets and shuttlecocks? And what about you? Are you playing badminton too? Yes, many people are now buying rackets. One of the sports outlet I visited said that its sales of rackets, especially junior rackets, rose by 30% a month. Repair order for rackets are picking up too. And apparently, this is because people are resuming playing badminton, especially outdoors. Reservations at the badminton courts and club memberships are also rising. A sports hall operator told me that its reservations have been surging significantly, and its income has doubled. A coach at a local badminton club also told me its membership has grown by 50% after Indonesia's Olympic Games victory. Well, I used to play badminton when I was a kid. I often played with my sister and friends in a space in front of our house. There were also badminton tournaments at the neighborhood, especially ahead of the commemoration of our Independence Day on August 17. And I would watch these games enthusiastically. There were also one or two occasions when I played badminton during my university years when I came to badminton courts for the story and talked to badminton lovers, I could feel their passion for the, sto- for the sport. Some even have, have played in non-professional competitions just for fun. 
somehow I feel excited to play the sport of my childhood again. And maybe for now, I need to buy a new racket and shuttlecock and then find a partner to play. I would love to play with you. Unfortunately, <laughs> you're in Jakarta and I'm in uh, Singapore. And of course, I mean, this reminds me of the time I used to play in school and college myself. And actually, even then, there were so many famous badminton players whose names we could. And even now, I recall them. There was Taufik Hidayat, Susie Suzanti, and there was a Virvanatha. Uh, I think they were pretty well known across the world and we used to follow them. Uh, I'm just curious, where are they now? Yeah, it's great that you still remember all the big names in Indonesian badminton scene. Well, actually, they have chosen different paths in their post-athlete life, I can say. Taufik Hidayat runs an international standard badminton club and court named Taufik Hidayat Arena, where members, including foreigners, can train under the supervision of excellent coaches. He also promotes badminton worldwide by becoming a member of Your Next Legends Vision, along with other world's renowned badminton players such as Lindan of China. He enters politics too by joining Indonesia's major political party, the Democratic Party, which was founded by Indonesia's former president Susilo Bambang Yudhoyono. And Susi Susanti set up a sport apparel and equipment business together with his husband, Alan Budikusuma, who is also a notable badminton player and won gold in men's single in 1992 Barcelona Olympics. Their products are branded Aztec, abbreviated from Alan Susi Technology. One of the items they sell is records called Susi Series and Alan Series, they even gave the records to Malaysia's former Prime Minister Muhyiddin Yassin, who visited Indonesia earlier this year. Their business runs quite well, actually, and they even export their products to some Asian and European countries, including Singapore, Malaysia, and Thailand. In addition to this, Susi and Alan also own a sports massage and reflexology business. And this is also runs well with some branches across Jakarta. And by the way, uh, Susi Susanti's career in badminton is well featured in a movie titled Susa Susi Susanti Love All. As for Ardi Wiranata, after retiring from badminton, he moved to the U.S. and became a coach for the U.S. badminton team from 1998 to 2001. And he then moved again to Canada to train its badminton team. He is now a Canadian citizen and apparently he enjoys a happy life with his family there. That's very interesting to know, Linda. Tell me, why has badminton always been so popular in Indonesia? And uh, you spoke of President Jokowi a few minutes ago. Does he like to play himself? Well, actually, one of the reasons why badminton is very popular here is because it's easy to play, and people from all walks of life can play it, even with only simple means. So people in rural and remote areas can also play it. Olympic winner Apriyani Rahayu, for instance, came from a remote village in eastern province of southeast Sulawesi and she first hit the shuttlecock with a wooden record made by his father at the age of three. 
There are also a lot of badminton competitions held by neighborhoods, villages, schools, and universities. And for many Indonesians, badminton is a family affair. During my visit at a badminton court for the story, I met with a man named Rusli, who came there along with his son, younger brother, and two nephews. When the weather is nice, they also play at home and at their neighborhood court. Even his son just hit the shuttlecock against the wall whenever his father or relatives are busy with their own things. And yes, it's true that President Joko Widodo also likes to play badminton. When he was young, he was even a member of a badminton club in his hometown Solo. In 2018, he played with Brunei's monarch, Sultan Hassan al-Bolkiah, in a friendly match dubbed Badminton Diplomacy, and he was accompanied by renowned athletes including Susi Susanti. He also recently played with the Olympic winners at the Bogor Palace after granting them with cash rewards. And did President Jokowi win those matches? Uh, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I think yes. <laughs> In any case, what is the secret of you know the great success that Indonesian players have enjoyed for years now? In fact, for decades, you say they've won in almost all Olympics except for London in 2012. So tell us what explains that excellence. Is it the case that Indonesia has managed to get the world's best coaches? Is it the case that the government provides very good support for the badminton players? Well, to be fair, Indonesia has passed its ups and downs in its badminton history. Last month, for instance, uh, the Indonesian team won its first Thomas Cup in 19 years. So it's been so long that Indonesia have waited for uh, the victory again. And having the world's best coaches is one of the factors. A few years ago, the Indonesian Badminton Association. Brought back notable player Rexy Mainaki, who trained athletes in the UK, Malaysia, and the Philippines. Another one is that Indonesian shuttlers have a unique feature in terms of rich variations of strikes, and this is naturally so. Does not, it does not derive from training. This is an observation from Indonesian longtime badminton coach Christian Hadinata. And due to badminton popularity, there is also a vast talent pool across the country. And Indonesia has a good recruitment system in place. Major badminton clubs actively search young talent to regions and put them in rigorous training. A few years ago, the Badminton Association also changed its collective sponsorship into an individual one. That really gives incentives to athletes, and they can focus on their training. That's good to know, Linda. What do you see as the enduring benefits from the current craze about badminton in Indonesia? I think certainly there will be more and more young people come into the scene. When I visited badminton courts for the story, I met cute children as young as five years old train with local clubs, and they do this regularly. It's really encouraging to see these young kids start playing at a very young age. There were also teenagers who played very well. I really enjoyed watching them. It felt like seeing some badminton athletes in the making. I'm optimistic this certainly promises a brighter future for Indonesia's badminton. 
and hopefully Indonesia will achieve more and more victories in major world competitions in years to come. Thank you, Linda. And that's a wrap for the letter from the Bureau. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to read Linda's column, we have a link for you in our podcast description box. You will also find there a link to other stories that have been featured in our Letter from the Bureau series. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. 